We've all been wronged. We've all have experienced hurt by others. We've all experienced injustices. There are two questions that depending on how you answer these questions, it will significantly impact your future, positively or negatively. The first question is, is what do I do with the pain and the hurt when I'm wronged? The second question is, is how do I sufficiently deal with the injustices done against me or others that I love? At times, I'm tempted towards bitterness. At times, when I think I have forgiven somebody, the pain and the hurt and the memories come back when I least expect them. And based on the psychological research, I'm not alone. Good morning, my name is Pat Stream. I'm the pastor of counseling here at Faith Community Church. And I'll start off this week by making a reference to the sermon last week. Uh, by my good friend Tim, Tim Prince, and I'm a fellow putz. <laughs> some of you remember that, some of you don't. And why is this guy getting up and saying he's a putz? Uh, you could go back to last week's sermon where Tim pretty much called everybody putz. So um, he didn't. Okay, so I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to you, that people in the room and those of you watching us online. And if you're new here today, in person or online, it's just so good to gather together and worship a living God. So as the counseling pastor here at Faith, what I do is I, I specialize in the private ministry of the word. That is, what I attempt to do is try to connect people with Jesus by teaching them about a gospel-inspired life from the word of God. And I do that in a one-on-one -on -one through conversations in a private setting. So based on my experience and based on my tendencies, and what I think I'm, God has gifted me at is, I think I would like to try to have a really big group counseling session today. <laughs> By the looks on some of your faces, that's not a good idea. We're, we're not gonna do that. But I would like to make a distinction here. In, so our topic today is we're going to be taking a look at forgiveness. We're going to be looking at the story of Joseph, and we'll be looking at forgiveness. In the private ministry of the word, so in one-on-one -on -one counseling, there's time and there's flexibility to be able to deal with the nuances that are around accepting and granting forgiveness. The, there, there's an opportunity to kind of think through things and slow down and apply things. Well, today though, this is the public ministry of the word. And what this means is we're limited because of the size of the audience. We're not gonna have a group counseling session. We need to stay focused. We're limited uh, by audience size and time and such. And I'm aware there's a football game. So in the, um, what we're gonna do is we need to stay focused, but I, I would like you to uh, recognize this distinction between public and private ministry of the word because when, when you talk about forgiveness, a topic like that, we're not going to be able to explore all the nuances today. So, but I do believe that in God's word that he has some things to share with us that are incredibly important about forgiveness. According to a study from Johns Hopkins Medicine, there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed and holding grudges. There's chronic anger puts you into this fight or flight mode and it, it results in further 
damaging changes like heart rate uh, changes, blood pressure, immune responses. Uh, it can lead to increased heart disease, can lead to diabetes, severe depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And then there are some studies that show us that forgiveness actually calms stress levels, which leads to further uh, improved health. Yet there was this study of 45,000 adult people in America, and 62% of those people said that they needed more forgiveness in their life. So it's a, it's a, it's a growing problem, lack of forgiveness. So wherever you are, or whatever you believe, there is a need for a forgiveness that is so powerful, and it's powerful enough to be able to relieve your pain and your hurt, but it's also incredibly powerful to be able to satisfy the injustices that you experience. What we're going to hear today is that the only source of that forgiveness, that, that forgiveness that's sufficient enough to be able to do that is from the message of the gospel, a source that is inspired by the gospel. Why? Because it's rooted in the very character of God. God is the author of forgiveness, and we're going to see that. So we've been looking at the story of Joseph and his brothers in the book of Genesis. And we've broken down this series. We started back in uh, September, and we had a series on the, dun or the dreamer. And then we moved into a series on the dungeon. And now today we're starting a new series. But before I mention that, what I thought I would do is summarize the story for you. And because I'm limited by word counts, let me just summarize the story this way. God's chosen people, dreams, arrogance, hatred, attempted murder, family betrayal, false accusations, prison, wisdom, freedom, success, plenty, famine, reuniting, hidden identity, testing, extreme risk, and the potential for revenge. That's been all part of the story up to, to now. And then last week when we ended the series of The Dungeon, we ended with the scene where Joseph's brothers, specifically Joseph or Judah, was giving this impassioned plea to Joseph. And Joseph's brothers, who were once angry and indifferent towards their father, they're now begging for his well-being to Joseph. And they were offering themselves, Judah offered himself to save the life of his fa father's favorite child. And so today we kick off the series called The Destiny. And the message that we're looking at, or excuse me, the message today is entitled, Come Near. And we're looking at Genesis 45, 1 through 15. I think it's surely one of the most dramatic scenes in all of Genesis. If not, the whole Bible. Why? Because this scene is the climax of the whole story. This is where we see that all the conflict is resolved. This is where we see that there's genuine forgiveness and reconciliation in action. So if you can turn to your Bibles, whatever you have, electronic devices or, I was going to say paper Bibles, that's right. Yep. Turn to Genesis 45, 1 through 15. I'll read it here. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. 
And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer them, him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has, made a, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you. For there are yet five years of famine to come, and so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring, back, bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept with upon them. And after this, brothers, after that, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. So applying, applying biblical narratives like this, it's not a one-on-one -on -one matching game. So there's, there's not all the details of Joseph's life. Joseph's life is going to line up with yours. This means that this pivotal scene in redemptive history, it doesn't necessarily or nicely resolve all the emotional tensions around forgiveness. We see that the lessons of in the biblical narratives, anything that talks about forgiveness, they don't always end in happily ever after. So we, we can't apply that one-to-one -to, -one to our life all the time. Our world is just too broken for that and, and relationships are just too complicated for that. But here's what we can know and learn from biblical narratives is we can always read these stories to learn about God. We can always read these stories to build our faith in him, strengthen it, because these stories are about him. These stories are about how he uses real people to remedy the problem of sin. So in the story of Joseph and his family, we see that God, who's motivated by love, he orchestrates history in a dynamic and forceful way through these tragic events. And then we see it resulting in genuine human forgiveness. We see the very heart of God in these stories. We see how what happens in our lives is rooted in the very character of God. So the main, the main point here today is that or what, when we think about the main point, we, we need to remember that God's master plan and his agenda and how he works in our lives is so that we can build our confidence in his character. So this story of Joseph, as we read it today, what it's intended for is to help you get your heart 
in the right place with God. There are two planes to forgiveness, two aspects of it. There is this transactional plane, so between person and person. So, for example, when my wife forgives me for putting my interests before hers, well, maybe that's not a great example because I never have to ask for forgiveness. Uh, Did I say that out loud? Yeah, no, I know I'm going to have to ask her for forgiveness. But there's this transactional forgiveness. happens between two people or more. And then there is this attitudinal forgiveness. So it's a matter of the heart. And I think everybody here can agree on if you are going to forgive somebody from a transactional standpoint, horizontally, transactionally, in in order to be able to do that and to sustain it and to keep it going, What we need is we need something that is, we need an inner strength to be able to do that. We need to be able to have a heart attitude. We need to be able to have something that is connected to our ideas and our beliefs about what justice is. So in order to be able to forgive like that, I'm saying up here today that that kind of forgiveness has to come from a God-focused attitude of the heart. And when we have that God-focused attitude of the heart, it's easier to grant forgiveness. So what the, jo- what the story of Joseph shows us is that to the extent that we're able to see how much God forgives us, then we're going to have the right heart attitude to be able to uh, be ready, be ready to forgive somebody else when they come to you. And with this heart attitude is we can entrust God with the injustices that we've had. So we're going to walk through the passage today, and along the way, as we go through it, I'm going to, I'm going to paw, or, you know, I'm going to do these little thought bubbles and just kind of tell you some things about forgiveness that maybe you didn't see or heard of before in the text and kind of counseling-related stuff. That's the closest I'm going to get to counseling today. So uh, we're going to do that, and what I want to be able to try to do is answer these two questions, is what do I do with the hurt? What do I do with the pain? What do I do with the injustices? So we'll take a look at verses 1 through 3. We're going to kind of look at that chunk first. I'm not going to read it again, but if you just want to have it in front of you and just kind of peruse it as I talk about it, because I'll be referencing some things in it. Now, when you look at this scene of verses 1 through 3, when you're reading biblical narratives, uh, a really important thing to do is to pay attention to the pace and the proximity of what's happening in the scene. Is it moving fast? Is it moving slow? Is it big picture? Is it small? What we have here is we have an extremely intensely emotional situation happening between estranged brothers. Joseph has everybody leave the room. It's just he and his brothers. And they don't know this is Joseph yet. So what's happening here? So we're brought into this intensely intimate moment and You know, as readers, we got to slow down and go, okay, what's happening here? Because what I'm going to read about here and what I'm going to learn, this is the climax of the whole story. So think about these first three verses or just this whole 1 through 15 as time is standing still. And we are in this intimate. Now, with Joseph, with his power and his resources as a prime minister, he has options. For dealing with his brothers. He could publicly expose them 
He could heap shame on them. I mean, for the last 22 years of his life, it's all been a direct outcome because of their hatred and their animosity towards him. In one movement or one word, he could ask for his brothers to literally be torn to pieces. But instead, what he does is he, he gives us an illustration of biblical forgiveness. What we see is, we see Joseph's commitment to graciously pardon his repentant brothers for their moral liabilities. We see that he is willing to be reconciled with them. And although not all the consequences are going to be nicely or they're not going to be eliminated, the past is the past. So what we see with Joseph in this part, verses 1 through 3, is we see him drawing close to his brothers. We see forgiveness on display. And so what he does is he weeps. He weeps. And then second is he, that he protects his brothers by asking everybody to leave the room. And then we also see that he surrenders his power. He gives it up and he makes himself known to them. So here's the first little pop-out bubble on forgiveness. Is one thing to think of here is that it is, it is wise to tread carefully when you're relating with somebody who's exploited you or deceived you. It's wise. Forgiveness is not some blind overlooking of things and ignoring things. But Joseph has seen change in his brothers and he has concluded that they can be trusted. So looking back at the text again here, I have a question that has, it hasn't bugged me, it hasn't haunted me, but it's been a question on my mind from the moment I started reading this text, studying for it. Why did Joseph, this Egyptian prime minister, with godlike greatness. He's got all this unlimited power, authority. Why did he weep like this? So think about these weeps. This wasn't some little tear in his eye. This was weeping. This was wailing. This was ugly cry of ugly cries. He was, he lost control of himself. It was so loud that the people outside the room could hear what was going on. Can you imagine what they were thinking? What's happening to Joseph? What are the brothers doing to him? They were ugly, ugly cries. Now, when you're reading the story, it's, super, it's, it's incredibly surprising because everything that Joseph had been through up to this point, he, he was so consistent in his display of self-control. He, here we are, yet he's completely overcome. Emotionally, he's just overcome and he loses control. Has no that, that's, I, mean, I hope you get the point. He, he just lost it completely. And as readers of the story, here's what's fascinating. Is that when this man of power, this man of control, this man who could do anything, he loses control like this. And as a reader, what we see is that we start to see an immediate display of God's greater control in the story. So the weeping... There's no, there's, for Joseph, there was never any, in his life story, there was never any explicit appearance of God. It's said a couple times that God was with him. And in other patriarchal stories through the Bible narratives, you hear about these theophanies or these appearances of God that never happened to Joseph. But in the moment that he's weeping, and part of why he's weeping here is that he connects his own life story with the story of God. And he realizes that this, this God is profoundly active and present through it all. And this weeping of Joseph is this, this 
being overwhelmed and recognizing, and he had a profound transformation going on inside of his heart. And this transformation is that it, it caused him to completely surrender to the providence of God in all of the injustices done to him. So that's what's behind that weeping. Now, thought bubble here on emotions, okay? When you express emotions, when you're wronged, it's a form of surrendering everything and everyone to God. God is in greater control than you. Biblically, this kind of an expression of emotion is lamenting. It's called lamenting. And it's a form of worship, actually. It's a form of praising God. So what we're seeing here, a lesson that we can learn is that when you've been wronged, when you've been hurt, when there's injustices to you or people that you love, it is a good thing to express your emotions. It is a right thing. It is a worshipful thing. And we can say that because, you know, think of God teaching us through these passages. What God is telling us about his character is that he is a God full of emotions. He is a God who is deeply connected and wants to connect with us through our emotions. Forgiveness is often seen, sadly, as, oh, you're just being weak. We don't see that here. We see emotions being a powerful force of healing, the process of healing. Another lesson on forgiveness is that we can draw from this weeping in this moment is that forgiveness, it's always been this way. Forgiveness is a doorway that God opens so that his mercy and grace and, and his deep covenant love can refresh us, refresh our lives, and, and it also works to advance his kingdom. So because of God's forgiveness, that's where we have hope. We can have hope of redemption. And this doorway, when God opens this doorway of forgiveness and we're in that, what we need to see is how we desperately need that forgiveness ourselves. In this scene, Joseph is, is he's, he's confronted and just stunned by the reality that, that it just completely levels him is that forgiveness is God's doorway to destiny. So forgiveness is how God will advance things in your life, things on earth and his kingdom. It's all the Bible. I love that. And we see it most intensely at the cross of Jesus Christ. That forgiveness is how history moves on towards a destiny. It's simply amazing. Now we're going to take a look at the next ch chunk of verses, which is verses 4 through 9. Again, I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to pull out some things. We see that Joseph says, come near to me, please. Come near to me, please. Can you imagine his brothers right now? They're standing there. They're trembling. They're in terror. And he says, come near. Who would have ever thought that Joseph... The, the, ones, the one that they once reviled, who would have ever thought that he would want to be with them? But he says, come near. There, a commentator that I read, he paints the scenario this way, as they're standing there, trembling, and then, come, come near, please. And, and you know, they look at each other like, you go first. You go first. Uh, Reuben, uh, you're, you go, um, Simi, you're the one who did this to us. You go first. I'm just going to, you know, I mean, they're just, who's going to go, who's going to go first? And then, 
when Joseph sees that, he, he, the terror in the, in the brothers amp up even more because Joseph says, again, I am Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Here it comes. The brothers are standing there and trembling. Joseph has just judged us. This is when we get torn to pieces. This is when we die a horrible death. Instead, what Joseph does is totally unexpected, and he draws near to them again. He does this by comforting them. He does this by relieving their terror. He, 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 it's truly remarkable. He, he himself has been shaped by the crucible of suffering, and it's left him empathetic, and he can see the terror in their hearts, and he comforts them. He moves towards them. But wait, 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 wait. Don't you find this strange? Don't you find this strange? I mean, maybe even appalling. The brothers did evil and they knew it. Shouldn't people who sin and do evil, shouldn't they be forced to right their wrongs? Real justice, I mean, real justice should account for evil. So here's another lesson in forgiveness that we can draw from this, is that Joseph, he didn't just blow off the suffering that he's experienced the last 20 years. He's not casting aside the hurt and the pain. He didn't ignore the wrong. He didn't mince words with them. In fact, he called it out. He called out the evil. You sold me into Egypt. So one common mistaken belief about forgiveness is that you let the other person off the hook. But forgiveness and justice, it's not the same thing. Forgiveness is not the same thing as injustice, nor is forgiveness the same thing as reconciliation. So for example, a, a, a former victim of abuse they shouldn't reconcile with an abuser who remains potentially dangerous, for example. But you can help that victim come to a place of empathy and understanding. So whether you forgive somebody or not, that is not going to affect if justice is done. Because they're not the same. But the lesson here is that forgiveness requires that we truthfully acknowledge the evil that was done. So let's go back to the text here again, and we're going to keep looking at verses 5 through 9. And what we see is that, as I've been saying, is Joseph, he's, he is now caught up with his story. He is now caught up with his macro-level view of his story, and he sees his destiny, and he, he gets it now. And he, he can stand above it and see it all as one big thing. We don't live like that. We live in stages of our story. But he can now see it. And what he's, what he's going through at this moment is that he's, he's seeing that he doesn't see his brothers anymore like he used to. He doesn't see them through the lens of what they've done to him. He doesn't see them as what life used to be like. What he's seeing now, well, you know what, before I go there, if, if he continued to see his brothers for the evil that they did to him, 
there would be room for bitterness and vengeance. But instead, what he does is he's relating to them through God's eyes. He sees his brothers differently now because of the help of God. And because, you know, in verse 5, we have the first time it says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And then in each of the next three verses, right in a row, he says the same thing. God sent me. God sent me. God sent me. Okay? So again, reading the Bible, and now you have repetition like this. You stop and you look. That's the main point. That is what this is all about. God sent me. And the, the main emphasis is Joseph is just standing there in his mind thinking, all the details of my life, all the macro-level details of my life, all the micro-level details of my life, and the life of my brothers, my family, it all comes to this, and we see that God is the main character. God is the one that is in total control of everything. I mean, Joseph's presence in Egypt at that time, that is how God preserved and made sure there would be human life because there was a famine in the land. And it was also how God used it to save Joseph's family. Back in, you don't have to look this up, but back in chapter 37 and verse 14, uh, we have Joseph's father telling him, so this was before Joseph's brothers did what they did to him, and his father said to Joseph, go check on the well-being of your brothers. Who would have ever thought that ultimately it would come to this moment where he's checking on the welfare of his brothers? So this, another lesson here on forgiveness as you think about it is this phrase, these words, God sent me. This puts us right in the, mid in the middle of a mystery of God. When we experience injustices, it, it reveals our view of God. And what we see in Joseph's story is that his story clearly articulates that God's providence, his control of everything, and his intentionality in everything, and, and blessing from that can be found in what appears to be the most heinous crimes and disastrous circumstances. This does not mean that God approves of these crimes, and it doesn't mean that he enjoys bringing disaster into our lives. It just simply means this, that it's a testimony to God's ability to bring good out of evil. Because of this, because of God's ability to bring good out of evil, there is no basis for retaliation or bitterness. Did God hold Joseph back from his destiny? No, not at all. God orchestrated it all to happen. He did it all to redeem Joseph's entire family and advance the kingdom of God on earth. How did he do it? He did it through forgiveness. So I was reflecting on this some more, and you're thinking, okay, God uses our sinful choices for his good. Doesn't approve of them. But you know, if he did not do this, if God didn't do this, then there would be no hope. But forgiveness is a matter of the heart. And, and, and that being, we need to recognize that when God is at work in everything, God is at work in the good and the bad, the horrors, he's at, he's at work in it all to bring good. And so when you're faced with an opportunity to forgive somebody, and you can have this perspective in mind that God 
orchestrated it all, you're going to be able to faithfully respond to others the way God responds to you in forgiveness, by forgiving you. So now we're going to look at the next chunk of verses, which is 10 through 13. I actually only have about two sentences on this, just because it's not that they're not important, but I chose to talk about some other things. But what we see in here, verses 10 through 13, is that we see Joseph displaying forgiveness through his actions. And I think the most important thing to draw out of here, again, to see the heart of God, is that Joseph is giving back to his brothers everything that they took away from him. So God, you know, we can learn about God's character is God will restore what's been taken away from you. Verses 14 and 15. It says that he kissed all his brothers and he wept over all of his brothers and he talked with his brothers. This is incredibly dramatic. Here's a lesson on forgiveness that we can learn here is that I know that some here have family relationships that are deeply troubled, even violent. Even in the most deeply troubled family, the ones that there's just, there's just unimaginable rupture. And it's true, though, that forgiveness and healing are possible, even for those situations. And after 20 years of Joseph being patient, patient and waiting and faithful, we can see that God will supply you with what you need. Also in verses 14 and 15, we see that the brothers received Joseph's forgiveness. We see that they accepted it and received it and responded to it. So here's another lesson on forgiveness. Is I, I want to try to uh, correct what is a really dangerous, false idea about forgiveness that really messes with people's hearts and it, it enslaves them. Quite, quite frankly. Have you ever heard of this advice before? You just need to forgive yourself. Have you ever asked, how do I forgive myself? Well, this notion of forgiving yourself, it, it's tied to your choices. It's tied to the choices that you've made in life that have caused pain for other people. It's tied to choices that has caused you pain. So it's real. It's what this is about, this idea of self-forgiveness, what's at the heart of it is it's really about how do I find a way to deal with my guilt and my regret? How do I do that? Well, that's a really good thing. That is a great thing. Everybody should want to do that. Is how do I deal with the, the guilt and the regret from the pain that I have caused? But forgiveness is something that happens between you and God. And other people. We, we know that Christ has already paid the penalty for all sins. We know that he died on the cross to pay the ultimate price. So therefore, we only need to ask God for forgiveness to cover our regret and guilt. That's where you start. And then that again frees up your heart to be able to ask somebody else for forgiveness. When you recognize how much God has forgiven you, going to move into some summary and some application here. So in, in the story of Joseph, what we see is we see God through his providence. So through his active, intimate presence in things, he's using the evil of human beings and he's saving people 
and he's saving the very people who committed that evil. He's, he's working it all together. And the big story here is that it was from Joseph's family that the lineage of Jesus came from. So, G- so Jesus Christ, who offers full salvation for everybody, God ordained the story of Joseph so that we could have Jesus and this full salvation for us. And then we see that God asks all to come near to him, everyone. It doesn't, he doesn't do this by force. He doesn't try to draw near by being manipulative or anything like that. What he does is he says, come to me. And he offers this invitation of complete forgiveness. Whether you're somebody who is following uh, Jesus and you've been following him for your life or whether you're somebody who's exploring what following Jesus means, we're all in the same boat here. Because of sin, we all fight this temptation every day of unbelief in our heart. We need forgiveness daily. And so when we look at this kind of forgiveness that comes from God, it's this forgiveness that is, is it, it frees us from our guilt. It, it transforms us into perfectly secure people in God. And that we're able then to freely love other people and forgive other people because we're totally safe in God's heart. Can you remember the, the problem statement that I started with? I, I asked, you know, what do you do with the pain? What do you do with the injustices? After looking at this text today, this is, you think about this, you, you think and you remind yourself as often as it takes that God has exacted the consequence that he knows that will fulfill justice. He has laid on Jesus a pain that exceeds all of our pain and the pain that we've done to other people. And we can trust God for this. My hope for you what I, what I want for you is I want you to free yourself. I want you to be free to pursue your destiny. And this is your destiny. We might have different pursuits in our life, but no matter who you are, your destiny is to live an abundant life as sons and daughters of the Most High God. So if you're worn out by the baggage of broken relationships, accept Christ's invitation that says, come near. This invitation is for everybody. It, it's, it's, it's an invitation of forgiveness that revolutionize, revolutionizes lives. It's, it's at the heart of our ministry philosophy here at Faith Community Church of gospel-inspired life. Faith Community Church, us as believers, us as people gathering together wherever you're at with Jesus, we can make an impact on the world. We can display Jesus' attractive welcoming and reconciling presence and we can do that by living as forgiven people people who've been forgiven by God and therefore we ought, we go out and we forgive people what i want you to take away here today is that forgiveness is god's doorway to your destiny therefore surrender all the offenses and the wrongs done against you and come near leave that vengeance in god's hands Leave it in his hands. He, he's far better at it than we are anyhow. And give yourself the freedom from resentment and bitterness that you so critically need. 
This is going to help enable you to fully live out your destiny, the destiny that God has created for all of us. So come near. Start by surrendering and embracing God's plan, his perfect plan, that your past can be used for good, no matter what's happened to you. And he's going to bring it to the good purpose. So as I close, I want to present two questions to you online or in person. Are there areas in your life where you are struggling with bitterness? What's shaping the way that you view those situations? Is it a Godward focus or something else? I'd recommend this. You can write this down if you have something to write with. Is read Matthew 6, 5 through 15. I'm not going to read it here, but if you go home and look it up and pray that God would bring to mind situations in which you need to ask for forgiveness and extend it to other people. Write these down and ask yourself, Lord, what is the next step of faith that you're inviting me to take in this situation? Another question you can ask yourself is, are there sins that I've committed that I find myself justifying or minimizing? Read John 1.9. It says, take time to meditate on God's word and, and his forgiveness. Meditating and reading are two different things. Meditating is sinking in, letting it resonate in your heart. God knows everything that you've done, and he still deeply loves you. So dwell on that in your heart and let this warm you, let this bring to light, bring you to life, and he loves you, and he, you're not defined by your sin. So I'm going to close today with a prayer. I've written it out, and I want to read it. I would ask you, if you're comfortable, if you want to, bow your head and listen to this prayer as I pray it over you. Father God, refresh our hearts with your word today. I pray for your spirit to help us understand your generous spirit toward us in Christ. I pray that today we might know your love and your forgiveness. I pray that in difficulties to forgive, that you help us remember that we need your forgiveness in order to forgive others. I pray that you would set us free today and that you would pull us through that doorway to the destiny that you have for us. And like Joseph, I pray that we might rest in your providence when we are wronged. May your mercy and grace and peace rest upon us and remain with each one of us today and forevermore. Amen.